This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. Your war room for insider news and draft analysis from deep within the confines of Cowboys headquarters at the Star in Frisco. The Dallas Cowboys select Tyler Smith. And now, your host, Kyle Yeomans. Today is Wednesday, March 1st, 2023, as we are live from Indianapolis, Indiana, and the 2023 NFL Combine. Welcome into the draft show presented by Miller Lite, the official beer of the Dallas Cowboys. We are pleased to be joined by the great Bucky Brooks. Uh, How's it going? Back on the show? Yeah, it's been a minute. We've got Aisha Morrison. I'm Kyle Yeomans. Our trio today, the first show of a couple that we're going to have here at the Combine on Radio Row this week. We'll have Dane Brugler in the action later this week as well. But Bucky, welcome back. It's been Probably a year, right? Yeah, it's been. A, it's been. I think it's been a year. Been I a think year? it's been a year since uh, I've had a chance to come on with you guys. But it's a lot of fun. What's, What's been going, going on? on? Not too much. Same old thing. I mean, you know, at this time of year, it's lying season. Everyone's lying about who they like, <laughs> who they don't like. Uh, we kind of filling in things, and we're having uh, soap operas with mock drafts and stuff like that, so we can create yeah. conversations. So you know what it is. So, lying season, has anybody lied to you yet? There's no way, right? Oh, everybody's lying now. Like, once you get no to the combine, everybody's way. lying about who they really like. They're throwing out names out there so you can run with them and put them out there and all kinds of stuff. And so, if it's not the teams, then it's the agents. Mm-hmm. If it's not the agents, it's the players themselves. And so, <laughs> you know what it is. Like, that's, that's, that's the part of the year. Dang, that's Where what it at. is? Yes. Oh. Yeah, welcome to lying season. I don't want to be. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's new to me. Yeah, yes. you got to take everything with a grain of salt. Okay, you got to take everything with. with you got to be confident in your own mindset. You got to mm-hmm. be confident with all of that, and you have been, as we've tr- seen on the draft shows already. We've already seen that a couple different times, but we're excited to be here. This is my fourth combine. This is your, ooh, you know, going all the way back. Like you better tell my business. So don't be talking. Your first was the playing career, right? So, so since two thousand one mm-hmm. now, so that's like twenty two, twenty three plus one. Yeah, so like twenty three, twenty four. That we're working on. Woo! It's a long time. And Aisha? This is my first one. This is my oh. first combine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're getting it started. You Went get behind the ears a little bit. Yeah, you get to see the, see the workouts tomorrow. Yep. Kind of get it going. That'll be your first taste of what it is. And look, it's, it's a great event. It's, it's, for the longest time, it was always like the football convention. It's the only time that mm. everyone has a chance to see everybody until coaches decided that they didn't want to bring their coaching staffs. But it was a great <laughs> opportunity to not only talk about like these players or whatever but it was a chance to talk about trends in the league how you build your team what do you like schematics all this other stuff um we're robbed of some of that because people are staying at home but it's still a really really great affair because you get a chance to see so many guys that you don't see during the course of the regular season somebody yesterday really put it out in the open for me that that kind of put it into perspective but this is the only time that the nfl comes together like you said in one Mm -hmm. spot and nobody's trying to win no. Nobody, nobody's trying to beat the other uh, at something uh, at either the the uh, even the Pro Bowl. Maybe the Pro Bowl is probably the closest thing yeah, to this. But but you don't get you don't get all the teams. You don't no. get the, you don't get the executives, scouts, and the coaches together yeah. in one city. And I I do like that's why I'm a little disappointed that so many teams decided to leave their coaches mm-hmm. behind. Because it was that one time that you could see everybody and connect and yeah. and all those other things. And you don't get a chance to do it because once we leave from here, you don't see those guys anymore. Maybe you see a handful of guys at a pro day. Uh, you see them during a game, you know, but you won't see everybody. And so 
hopefully, man, we get everybody shook. get everybody back. Get everybody back. The Cowboys did bring their coaching staff. They did bring their executive department. So the front office is here. The scouts are here. The coaches are here. We will talk to Coach McCarthy today. So we won't have that information on this episode, but we'll talk about it on the second episode that we have uh, coming out in from Radio Row from Indianapolis. Now, it is your first combine. It is. So what? what's your thoughts so far? How, how have What have you taken out of the first couple of days of being here? First couple of days of being here, I, I think I described it yesterday as like a, a high school reunion. It's everybody <laughs> everybody yeah. coming and you meeting everyone. It's, it's, it's interesting to see everyone in their own niche. Like mm-hmm. our, our photographers have their own group of people they meet yeah. up with and, and they're, they're talking mess about, you know, what they're doing. And then I meet some of your p- reporter friends. And then it's just the interesting dynamic to I've gained so much respect for everyone and every piece that goes into what we do. By, by being here. I, I think I've already done that, but just kind of hearing the intricacies of, like, I have to be here at this time. I got to set up at this time. I, yeah. And, and we're just, you know, to me, I'm like, I'm just taking notes, getting ready. Sure. But they don't want to do what we do and vice versa. And I just think that's so <laughs> awesome, like, that everyone has their individual thing here, and we can kind of see it come together here, me personally getting to see it. Yeah, I think the best part of this is what happens late at night. Like when you really have the casual conversations, yes. like that's that's the part of it. Like people are, are talk about it um, being a little spring breakish because everyone's at the bar or whatever. But really, in the cut, sometimes you have some great conversations about team building, who you like, evaluations. Mm. Um, what do you look for? What have you learned from this mistake or that mistake when it came to scouting and evaluating? So, uh, to me, I feel like I come away from the combine not necessarily learning about this class, mm-hmm. but continue to learn about how to evaluate, how to put together a team, uh, what it looks like, what it's going to look like in the future as you continue to be the best version of yourself when it comes to doing what we do on this side. Now, you've done a little bit of everything because you played. You, you've been on the coaching side of things, the scouting side of things. You've also been on the media side of things, doing a ton of great work with the NFL Network. What What is your favorite to do? I mean, other than playing. I mean, that's probably the easy answer. Uh, you know, like, it, it, it's funny because... Um, there's so many different things to football that you enjoy. Yeah. There's the X and O nerd me that loves like watching tactics and schemes and the latest trends and who's doing what. And, man, look at how the Eagles were able to help Jalen Hurts go from being a second-round pick to now he may be a top-five quarterback based on how they utilized him, how he continued to improve, mm-hmm. but how they tweaked the game and, you know, those things. And then you look at a guy like Pat Mahomes and how can you remove an all-pro player from Pat Mahomes and yet this team goes and wins the Super Bowl. What did I miss on him watching him at Texas Tech that I didn't know he had that singular power to do those things? Um, the evaluation part is always cool, like looking, studying, projecting, seeing what those projections turn into two, three, four years down the line. All that stuff is fun. I, I just think like just being associated with the game itself yeah. is the fun part in yes. any capacity. And when you're like multi-dimensional like we all are like different things fascinate you at different times of the year and so right now i'm just fascinated about hey how do you put together the team the best team that you can put for it to to, to get ready to see if you can compete for a team for a championship in 2023 what go for it oh i was gonna say I, i'm actually fascinated listening to the players like getting to put what I think about them or what mm-hmm. I've studied about mm-hmm. them, just actually hearing how they speak, how they project, who's had influence mm-hmm. on them and stuff like that. That, to me, is so valuable 
really starting to understand these guys a little bit more because the character is important, right? Uh, the character yeah. part about the players is important. So we're starting to, I don't know, just hearing them and even getting the opportunity to interview them, ask them questions, and be here, is it means something to me also, some of these players that I'm interested in. Well, I mean, I think that part is, is huge because it's one thing to blindly look at tape without knowing the person. Yeah. yeah. You know, so you're looking at a tape and you see one thing, but then when you hear them talk, or you find out more about their background, their character, some issues that they may or may not have had, then you get a, a, a better feel for, okay, well, how do we now put the pieces of the puzzle together? And what's different for us, what's different for me, like at NFL Network, like you're trying to think about all 32 teams. You guys are tied directly with the team, the Dallas Cowboys. No and doubt. So now you have a, a better understanding of the culture in the locker room. Yes. You have an understanding of, okay, well, how would this guy fit in that locker room, mm-hmm. which is harder when you're having the broad perspective of, well, what's Dallas really like compared to what's Philly like, what's Washington and all those other teams. And so it's just a, a very different deal. And also the way you grade players is differently working for a team as opposed to doing the broad scope. Because when you work for a team, you have certain parameters and standards that you're looking for based on what the team wants in a player. When you're working at a higher level or, or at a national level, now you just kind of grading the player for what he is and sometimes that differs from hey if he goes to this team he'll play this way if he goes to that team he'll play a different way is he gonna fit in this scheme is he not gonna fit in this scheme how's he gonna perform we were we were literally just talking about that mm-hmm. just three four four three defense and how some guys may not look like they can play mm-hmm. there i mean dan quinn showed this he showed like there's so many guys on the cowboys defense in particular that before being in this scheme, mm-hmm. we didn't know what they were. I mean, we didn't know how they were going to project or what their ceiling was. But that just talks to, that speaks to how scheme-specific things can make a difference in this, in this league. Yeah, look, the, the, the one thing that we, we can never project is how coaching and schematics <laughs> Absolutely. matter. <laughs> like Absolutely. Like a, a great coach, a creative mind, uh, a brilliant teacher can bring out stuff in players that we, we just don't know. You, you just can't. You can't predict yeah. uh, the kind of scheme that they play in and how they're utilized, the role that they play. Those things matter. And so the, the hard part is trying to see what a player did in college and trying to stretch it out and project what it will look like at the next level without knowing how the team that's taken him envisions him playing. Yeah. And the, the, the whole overarching thought of the player, like you talked about with these interviews, it all kind of becomes clear this week because not only are we getting the chance to talk to the players and we're having these media sessions and they're hitting the podium and we're learning about some of the things that they've talked about some of the things that they feel like are important to them these teams are doing the same exact thing they're putting them on the whiteboard Mm -hmm. we heard uh d overshone earlier uh talking about the texas linebacker uh talking about how teams have put him on the board and allowed him to take a, a a dry erase marker and show exactly what he's seen on film and how he can pick certain things up. These teams are not only having those interviews behind closed doors, but they're also having the medical checks. That's a huge part of this whole process is having that one-two punch of the interviews and the medical checks to kind of go back and forth. Have you seen enough from this class to, to really feel like it compares to something that or some other class that you've seen in the past based off of all of those overarching elements? You know, it's, it's hard to compare classes, but what sure. you can assess is the draft is, I would say, not as top-heavy as mm-hmm. it's been in the past, but you got a lot of mid-level talent, meaning really good. Uh, it's, it's really deep in terms of second and third-round players. Uh, you get starters in those rounds. Yeah. Uh, 
first rounders, I think what we all are going to have to kind of temper expectations. In this class, I think they're probably like 15 to 18 true first-round talents. Okay. And so when you have 18 first-round talents, that means someone's going to take a play in the first round mm-hmm. who's not necessarily your traditional blue-chip player. But when you take them in the first round, fans have expectations that they're going to play a certain way. The team will even find themselves having certain expectations that they're going to play at a, a higher level because they were taken in the first round mm. when that might not be what's really in them. And so we have to kind of understand that, and maybe we don't get upset when our favorite team takes a cornerback, and you're like, well, why did we take a cornerback when we need an offensive tackle yeah. or, or we need a pass rusher and those things? And so we just kind of have to understand the strength lies in tight end class is solid and cornerback class is solid. Um there's a really group of running backs in the mid levels that that can always play, um, and you know, and then you got some some wild cards like the quarterback class. Who knows what this quarterback class is? And good thing Cowboys are not playing for a quarterback <laughs> because who knows what this class is? Depends on who you be. ask, Bucky. Well, Depends on who you ask. I know. I know. But yeah, I but, agree with you. By yeah, the but, way, but, but, <laughs> but no. But it's 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 a. Uh, it's a weird, it's a weird deal when yeah. it comes to that. Like, not as many offensive tackles that you would like because it's not as deep yep. in that class, and so it's going to change how you evaluate it. Um, what teams do is the the draft, the parts that are like plentiful. What you do is you circle back to that. You go and get something from a shallow pool early and come back late, and maybe take a chance on a position that has a deeper pool. You mentioned quarterback. Um, do you do either one of you feel like there is a I feel like there's a need for quarterback? I mean, you look at the NFC specifically, like there's so many teams that really mm-hmm. need to be building towards having a quarterback. And mm-hmm. we talked about this uh-huh. class. You talk about how many first round draft picks that you really feel like there are. Could you do you think we could see people necessarily reach but definitely oh, they reach. do the Okay, okay, well man, I, <laughs> they reach like people they reach they people to reach for yeah. I mean, I really feel like in this first round, so to your point, how we might see some guys that we don't think that are first-round draft picks, I feel like some of the gentlemen that maybe we think are second-round draft picks mm-hmm. may be picked up earlier in the, in the um, in the rounds because there's not that many of them in certain places like you were talking about. No, it's funny, and there's a level of desperation. Especially so the, guard. So the one thing that we, we know when it comes to the quarterbacks the golden era quarterback play now has skewed younger and is really heavy in the AFC. Yes, it is. To win a Super Bowl in the AFC, you better have a dude at quarterback. Because to win in the AFC, you have to deal with Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. Lamar Jackson will put an asterisk by because we don't know if he'll continue to be in Baltimore. Sure. You have Trevor Lawrence, who is coming. He's coming up. You know, and so, like, we're already talking about six or seven quarterbacks right there. The NFC... Aaron Rodgers is coming down, but it's really mm-hmm. wide open. Like, now you have to talk about Jalen Hurst, which is crazy, but a year ago, no one believed this. But Jalen Hurst now has to be in consideration as a top-five quarterback. When he showed that like, this year, no like, doubt. Like, like, yeah. so, so now you talk about, well, dang, Jalen Hurst is now the standard bearer in the NFC. And Aaron Rodgers is coming back to the pack. You have Kirk Cousins and Jerry Goff and those guys, but how good are those? And so you now have a, a situation where everyone in the NFC has to look at their quarterback and say, is he good enough to not only get me to the Super Bowl, but if we have to square off against one of those teams in the AFC that has one of those guys, mm-hmm. can he win a one-game scenario? All right, Bucky. Based off of that, do you think Dak falls into that category? I think so. I think, yeah. the, okay. the, I think the one thing 
that we can't do, and it's unfortunate for players. When a player has an injury, we never give them or cut them slack. Okay. Whatever happened with Dak's thumb, like it, it certainly had to have an impact on the way that he threw the ball because <laughs> he normally doesn't throw turnover. He doesn't have turnovers like that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can snowball and those things. The other thing that I think maybe you have to assess when you're Mike McCarthy and you're thinking about this offense as he takes over, do I have enough weaponry yeah. on the outside? Say that. And so you remove Amari Cooper for whatever reason. So now you go from having what I thought was 1A and 1B in C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper to now you have C.D. Lamb and then a significant drop-off mm-hmm. before you have the next wide receiver. And what you're seeing in this league is moving away from, like, the running back being the feature player, but more you better have two wide receivers that can get it done because in the games when you get down the stretch, someone has to come over and someone has to have the ability to have one of those big games. And right now the Cowboys need more around Dak than just that. And I know that Dak got $40 million, but he still needs pass catches to be able to kind of do what he does. Yeah, and to add on to that, it's it's also, too, do you have – do you have playmakers? But if you don't have the playmakers, are you doing enough with the guys that you have? Are you getting the most out of them? Are you utilizing mm-hmm. them in ways that are conducive to how well they play or, or what even is working well in the league right now? We see a lot of yak guys with yak mm-hmm. ability really making a difference at the wide receiver position. So to, also, too, I just wanted to add on to, like, are you getting the most out of even what you have presently there? Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think that's a big thing. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why Mike McCarthy is now kind of taking the reins yes, over sir. as the play caller. Now, I would say based on his experience in Green Bay, uh, some of the yak ability that you talk about, it may change the profile of the wide receiver that you look for. In Green Bay, when he was there, the way that uh, it has always been passed down from Ron Wolf down, UI receivers need to have punt return ability. And the reason why they wanted guys who had punt return experience is because those guys have natural running skills. They're tough. They are able to break tackles in space. You can get them the ball on catch-and-run concepts, and they can turn short gains into big plays. C.D. Lamb has punt return ability. Do the rest of the guys in the wide receiver mm. core have punt return ability? And if they don't, you need to add some guys who have that. So now Dak's efficiency can go up because rather than asking them to throw the ball farther down the field, it's shorter, but you're getting more bang for your buck because those guys can break tackles and make things happen. Yeah, so you're, what you're saying is, Bucky, is that Kevontae Turpin might have a chance in this offense. He might have a have chance but the, the, only, the only thing about that, he's so good as yeah. a returner. He is. Maybe you don't mm. want a chance that, him sometimes because up. some offensive coaches will use the return game as another offensive play. Yeah, yeah it's and an we, extension. And when you're an all-pro player like he is, yeah, he's, he's a difference maker. That's it. They certainly can put a package in where he comes in the game and he gets the ball on screens and those things. Mm-hmm. He has to be a part of it, though. He's too dangerous with the ball in his hands to let him just stand on the sideline the entire game. Yes. Yeah, I completely agree. And he's even talked about that as well. I mean, he said, I want to play on offense. He said that a couple weeks ago in an interview that he, he loves the return specialist gig. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, he wants to make an impact on offense, and he could probably find a way to make an impact on offense, especially if they can use some of the stuff Bucky's talking about here. But let's take our first break. When we come back, we're going to have some Twitter on the 20. We're going to answer your fan questions coming back. Who are some of the players that we haven't talked about yet Mm. that we should be talking about? We're also going to get Bucky's thoughts on the Cowboys draft strategy on what maybe they should do moving forward. More draft show coming up in just a minute, presented by Miller Lite. 
candidate. No tax experience? We also offer in-person tax school courses locally. Liberty Tax has 79 locations across DFW and 2,300 offices nationwide. Learn more about our job opportunities at libertytax.com slash hiring or call your local Liberty Tax office today. Craving something flavorful? Replace that bloated burrito feeling with Smoothie King's new Power Meal Smoothies with three delicious flavors like cinnamon banana, blueberry raspberry, and spinach pineapple. You can fill up on flavor, not calories. Each meal replacement smoothie is packed with 20 grams of protein, 7 grams of fiber, and 23 vitamins and minerals, all under 350 calories with 0 grams of added sugar. So next time you want something flavorful, swap fast food for a Power Meal smoothie. Order today on the Smoothie King app. Smoothie King, the official smoothie of the Dallas Cowboys. I'm Darren Woodson, former Dallas Cowboy player and Super Bowl champion. When I played in the NFL at a high level, I relied on my vision to see the field. As I started getting older, I noticed my vision wasn't as good, and I was getting frustrated from wearing my glasses all day. I went to Laser Care Eye Center, and Dr. G talked about all the options. Thanks to technology and Laser Care Eye Center, I can see near, far, and between. Don't fumble your vision any longer. Visit them at dfweyes.com and tell them Darren sent you. They got me back on my game. What do you call a group of grown men and women with their faces painted silver and blue who get together every week to share a three-hour-long ritual of jumping, sinking, and toasting Miller Lite and 10-gallon hats while yelling, how about them cowboys? You call it Miller Time in Dallas. Here's to the cowboys. Here's to the original light beer. It's Miller Time. Celebrate responsibly. 2021 Miller Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. Hey, Cowboys fans, if you're looking for a full-time or part-time job, check out Liberty Tax, proud partner of the Dallas Cowboys. If you've got tax experience and want to help your community with their finances, you're the perfect candidate. No tax experience? We also offer in-person tax school courses locally. Liberty Tax has 79 locations across DFW and 2,300 offices nationwide. Learn more about our job opportunities at libertytax.com slash hiring or call your local Liberty Tax office today. Craving something flavorful? Replace that bloated burrito feeling with Smoothie King's new Power Meal Smoothies. With three delicious flavors like cinnamon banana, blueberry raspberry, and spinach pineapple, you can fill up on flavor, not calories. Each meal replacement smoothie is packed with 20 grams of protein, 7 grams of fiber, and 23 vitamins and minerals, all under 350 calories with 0 grams of added sugar. So next time you want something flavorful, swap fast food for a Power Meal smoothie. Order today on the Smoothie King app. Smoothie King, the official smoothie of the Dallas Cowboys. I'm Darren Woodson, former Dallas Cowboy player and Super Bowl champion. When I played in the NFL at a high level, I relied on my vision to see the field. As I started getting older, I noticed my... Back here from Radio Row in Indianapolis for the 2022 NFL Scouting Combine. It's the Draft Show presented by Miller Lite alongside Aisha Morrison. I'm Kyle Yeomans joined by NFL Network's very own analyst, Bucky Brooks. And we've spent some time talking about the generics Mm -hmm. around the combine and what we can kind of expect throughout the week. I want to talk about this class a little bit. We're going to do so with a little bit of Twitter on the 20. Our fans, of course, sending questions through Twitter. And we'll start with this one. Who are we not talking about? That we should be talking about. On the 20. I was getting frustrated from wearing my glasses all day. I went to laser care. Part of the show in the past, we go through names like crazy. But are, is there anything Twitter kind of on off the, the radar that I think we should be talking about? And it can be Cowboys related or it could just be overall in the draft. Uh, I would say 
couple names. Uh, Twitter Hennon on the Hooker 20. From Tennessee. Tennessee mm. quarterback. Yeah. I don't think people are talking about him enough. I think there's a fascination over Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. That Kentucky, I, I, Will Levis, Florida, Anthony quarterback, Richardson. Yeah. Quarterback from Kentucky, quarterback from Florida, mm-hmm. respectively, where we're talking about their tools and all that other stuff. But the game is about how you play it. And I don't know if there are many that play the game better than Hendon Hooker at quarterback. Ah. People will talk about the age. He's 26 years old. But at quarterback, that doesn't necessarily matter because quarterbacks can't play until they're 40. We've seen it. Um, and what you're trying to do is you're trying to get someone on the field who has experience. He's an experienced player. So he's one. Andre Carter, the edge rusher, edge defender from Army, mm-hmm. is another one that I believe deserves a little more love just in terms of 6'10 wingspan, uh, two seasons ago, he had 15 and a half sacks at West Point. And if you've seen Army play, they're not loaded with blue chip guys. <laughs> and so the fact that they have him, a super freak athlete who's also a very productive player, he's someone who also deserves a lot of attention. That's interesting you bring up the quarterbacks because, uh, I mean, we made the joke earlier that quarterback is not a conversation, yeah. depending on who, who you talk to. It's not a conversation in the first round, Mm-mm. but it's definitely a conversation. Cooper Rush is a, a, an unrestricted free agent. Yes. He's been your backup for quite mm-hmm. some time now. You turn around, and you can talk about the back half of this contract with Dak Prescott now. He's got two years left on this deal heading into this year, and that's if they don't extend him, if they don't restructure him. So quarterback is on the table in terms of mid-round draft picks. That's where you're going to find a Hinden Hooker. Anthony Richardson's not going to be there in the mid rounds. Will Levis is not going to be there in the mid rounds. A Hinden Hooker, a Jake Hayner from Fresno State. Jay there are a couple old. guys there that are going to be there in the middle rounds, and that's where the Cowboys could potentially target it. And the Cowboys should target it because you can never go wrong being in the quarterback business. Sure. Uh, we've seen a lot of people laughed and snickered when the Philadelphia Eagles uh, said that they wanted to have a quarterback factory when Carson Wentz had just signed that major contract. And they drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round. And lo and behold, Jalen Hurts is the one that leads them back to a Super Bowl. Mm. And so you can never go wrong. If it's the most important position in football, you want to make sure you invest in that position. And so allocating resources every other year to make sure that you have a slew of young quarterbacks that are, develop- that are developing is something that makes sense. And also for McCarthy, that is something that he knows. He's, he he's talked about the quarterback school and all the things that they yeah. used to do yesteryear. I could see him wanting to get back to that to make sure that you always have someone in the hopper. I also don't think, I, I want to say, uh, there's nothing wrong with quarterbacks coming in and developing. No. And, and, and sitting behind. I think we've gotten so used to these guys coming out and being immediate playmakers, immediately making a difference, that it puts some pressure on these young guys to come in and be the playmakers right away. No, there's absolutely nothing wrong with these gentlemen coming in, playing behind someone, and really starting to develop the game and learn it, you know, as they're in the NFL. Well, I mean, that, that's, that's the thing. And, and what has happened is we've become increasingly um, less patient. Microwave. I call <laughs> with, uh, microwave. With young players, and particularly quarterbacks, we want young quarterbacks to come off the college field and immediately have an impact on the game. And it's really, really hard. The one thing that it won't change the narrative, but everyone will be on the search for, you're going to hear this a ton. Everyone's looking for the next Brock Purdy. Mm-hmm. Everyone's looking for the next guy that is taken on day three that has the ability to start. Mm-hmm. I would say that it was Brock Dak Purdy, initially. Yes. Dak was that guy for a couple of years. Dak, Dak was that guy. Yeah. And so others are going to look for the cost-efficient, cheap quarterback that is good enough to play and have success. The common denominator between Dak Prescott and Brock Purdy played a long time in college. Yeah. 
lot of snaps, a lot of experience. That experience allowed them to develop a level of expertise that when they had their opportunity to play right away as rookies, they took advantage of it. Do you have anybody that fits that mold in this draft class based off of what you've seen? Well, you talked about two guys. You talked about Hayner <laughs> from uh, Fresno State. Talk about he Moxie. He's in yeah, that conversation. I mean, he, he certainly is in that conversation. Experience. He's the one that everyone talk, that, that talks about. You talk about Hooker, who's a six-year player. It has, to, it has to be someone who has played a ton because okay. you're seeing the experience. Uh, Brock Purdy was a, like a four-year starter, three-and-a-half, yeah. four-year starter at Iowa State. All those snaps, all those reps matter. Kenny Pickett, first-round pick last year. He had a significant amount of experience before he comes to the National Football League, and so that's what you're looking for. You're looking for someone who's played a lot because that play, that ability to see things, process things, work through things, helps them when they get to the pros. I'm looking down the list at the moment, and I'm seeing Clayton Tune Houston. You talk about a blinking light for somebody that would fit yes. the Cowboys mold. It would fit the, the value of a day-three guy and has that experience and the leadership ability. He's done so in multiple pro- programs throughout, but he's coming out of Houston. Yeah, he certainly has, and he's, he's done it a ton. He does have that experience, and everyone has kind of circled those guys because mm-hmm. what happens in our league, it's a copycat league. So when Team C, <laughs> Team C, like you remember last year the buzz at this time was, oh, i got to find a Debo Samuel. i got to find a versatile player sure. that can do a bunch of different things. Debo or a Micah on the yeah, defensive can, side. Can do all these yeah. things or whatever. So now it's the Brock Purdy conversation is going to be that. And it's not only Brock Purdy, but then it's also going to be the Jalen Hurts Who's the underrated, undervalued quarterback that has the intangibles to work at his game and get better and become a guy that emerges from day two, day three status to being a a legitimate starter that can lead a team? Yeah, and you mentioned uh, Hendon Hooker. One thing that I I like about him and I think is going to suit him in this league is his ability to improvise. I think a lot of teams are starting to look for quarterbacks that have the ability to improvise, number one, because offensive line play is – it's hard. That's the story for another day. <laughs> it's hard. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it hard. Is, it's absolutely hard. Those guys don't get as much time. I absolutely understand. But that is something that a quality that I think is really important for most of the guys that are playing the quarterback position moving forward. How do you improvise? How do you play on the run? Mm-hmm. How do you pass on the run? How's your accuracy on the run? Because a lot of these guys are running <laughs> for their lives sometimes, so it's important. They are. Two things about that point. So uh, coaches will tell you that you want a quarterback who is athletic. And so you got to make sure that it's not necessarily the athlete that's playing quarterback, but you want a quarterback that's polished at quarterback play but has the athleticism to move around. When we talked about those other guys in the AFC, when we talked about Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and Justin, those guys are quarterbacks who also have the athleticism to move around and buy time because as good as you are as a play caller, you can't call a perfect play every time. Sometimes you want the quarterback to be able to bail you out and erase it. Secondly, I just had a conversation with John Fox, longtime NFL head coach, who is now going to consult with the Detroit Lions, and he said the biggest mismatch on the field, O-line versus D-line. You're dealing with guys who are running 5'4'40s versus guys that are 4'6'40s. And as much as we want to think that those guys can hold up, it's difficult because you're dealing with superheroes on the other end. We have seen in Dallas Michael Parsons doing his thing against everybody. You can't. As much as you draw up the protection, you cannot block a guy like that. So your quarterback has to be able to escape and maneuver and maybe buy some time to help the, the, the mismatches that are going on up front. So with that being said, when we've talked about the interviews in, in Indianapolis and with these teams, is, is it more one way or the other volatile 
for the quarterback position to impress in these interviews than it is for any other position to impress, or is it kind of even across the board, no, position no, no. to position? No, it's always quarterback. Yeah, Because the quarterback is tasked with so much. So what you're trying to figure out with the quarterback is, is he mature enough mm-hmm. uh, to handle the thing? There, there used to be a saying that your quarterback is expected to be presidential. Uh, the way that he carries himself, there's there's a, a regalness to the way that he goes about his business, the way that he is on point, how smart he is, because outside of the owner and the head coach, he's the biggest representative of the franchise every day. Every time that he steps in front of the mic, there's something that he projects that represents the franchise. The other thing, we want him to be the leader of the team. Whether he is or not, he has to be able to to, to really like take all these different personalities in the locker room and get them going in the right direction. So when you think about Dak Prescott, there are a lot of things that you can say about Dak Prescott. The one thing that you can't question, his leadership ability and his ability to galvanize the team. And so there's a certain skill that you have to have and you have to display to be able to do that. So in these interviews, you have to have the sense, can I see this guy standing in front of the room commanding a group of men that may be significantly older than him. So and it's really some important. Some of those veterans, some of those veterans, those, those guys that have been there for a while. And to your point, um, this year was my first time really being in the locker room. And it sounds so cliche when we say it about Dak Prescott and about the quarterback position. Like, they got to be good leaders. But to witness it, to witness him being able to go to one guy and deal with mm-hmm. it, you know, and, and talk to him and then go to the whole other side of the locker room, it's important. It's really important moving forward, especially when you start talking about these young quarterbacks trying to integrate themselves into these locker rooms. Lastly, because you got a chance to see it up close and personal, Dak had maybe his worst year that we've seen. Yeah. But did his personality change? No. no. Was he surly and ornery with the press? Did he, did he blame others? He didn't do that. And so what you feel good about is, oh, okay, he has a level of toughness that equips him to be ready for this position. And so that toughness is a underrated trait that you're looking for in quarterbacks. I completely agree. And I think that's something that Cowboys fans sometimes lose track of. Sometimes media lose track, loses track of it as well. But like you just said, worst career year on the field outside of injuries. But then he comes back. He won Walter Payton Man of the Year for a yeah. reason. I mean, he's yeah. still the same Dak Prescott. So the fact that he was able to steady the ship from his own interior struggles yes is is something that should be commended and i completely agree not everybody is built like that and he is one guy that certainly is built like that moving forward all right the panel's prediction prior to the workouts at the combine for the cowboys first round pick first round pick early prediction oh yeah because this is early because free agency hasn't happened you haven't necessarily seen pro days. You don't know who the 30 visit guys are. You don't know who a Dallas day guy is. Who is your first-round prediction prior to the combine? Mm. It's a great question. J.D. was the one that answered, or asked it, by the way. I'm okay. stressed out. Okay, J.D., it's a good one. Let's, okay, so let's go. Go position by position? Let's go cornerback. Corner? First-round pick, right? Yeah, first 26 overall. So we need someone opposite Trayvon Diggs. Mm. Because last year when Anthony Brown got hurt. You're not was, alone with this, by it, the way. It was, it was bad on that other side. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so now, stylistically, how does Dan Quinn want to play? Do they want to be more man-to-man or do they want to be more zone-ish? Because then that changes the equation. Because Cam Smith could be there from South Carolina. Mm-hmm. He's more zone, more eyes, more of that part. But then you can have some of these other guys. Uh, Delonte Banks from Maryland, who's kind of like your tall, super athlete, not great with the ball skills. Nope. You know, um, 
he's going to be there. Kelly Ringo potentially could be there. Super athlete, great straight line speed and explosiveness. Ball skills are lacking. Mm-hmm. Um, but with Trayvon on one side who has exceptional ball skills, is that something that you're looking in? I mean, of course, it helps if you can have an all-encompassing corner. Well, that corner that's opposite Trayvon is going to get a lot of work. Mm. So they're like, we saw how the ball is kind of no doubt. Wherever that revolving door <laughs> corner was over there, he got a lot of action. Yep, and he'll continue to get that action. So they have to have the temperament and the length and those things. And you know, I don't know. Like, I know everyone projects this guy to go higher, but he may end up being there because there's some people that worry about some of the stuff. Joey Porter Jr. Mm, Penn State, Penn State, super long. I and think I would things, do a backflip if Joey Porter Jr. was there at 26. The only reason why I tell you that he may end up being in the mid-20s is because when people look at the tape, they see him press nose-to-nose, but you rarely see him backpedal. You don't see him use other tools in the toolbox, and he's always a bump-and-run guy. So he might be there. And okay. if you're fascinated by two things, if you're fascinated by length like Dan Quinn appears to be, and if you believe that you have a great teacher like uh, Al Harris and Joe Witt Jr., you may take a guy like that because you feel like you can develop him and get him to play the way that you want to play on the perimeter. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is, like, looking at this cornerback class, there's only a few guys to me that stand out that have the ball skills that I guess you would be looking for. Great, you know, good, good coverage, always in position, but are they playing on the ball mm-hmm. like that? We were talking about this yesterday um, because I was asking Kyle, like, do you get a more conservative corner on that other side? And what I mean by that is just not as much of a risk taker or mm-hmm. whatever as Trayvon. But then you look at my guy Emmanuel Forbes, and, you know, and Mississippi you say, State. From Mississippi State, yep. and you say he is a lot like Trayvon. Love so him. do you want? Do you want him. that same? I, I think Dan Quinn could just plug him in. But I think the he would be only, fine. The only thing I was I was high on him mm-hmm. coming into the event. Mm-hmm. Now it might be line season. But then I have people tell me that he only weighed in like he was 162. Really? Not not here, but he was 162 during the season, 165 during the season. Wow. And How? we'll get it made, here, of course. That made my stomach. That made my stomach oh. drop because I was like the biggest. Fan. I was like, "Hey, it's my guy." I, I dropped him in the mock draft just because I wanted the name to have it. Because the ball skills that you talk about, I don't know if there's a better guy that plays with his eyes than him. Like. Devon Witherspoon would be long gone. Should be sure. long gone yeah, from yeah. Illinois. Well, nice. But Emmanuel Forbes, his ability to play, because I wrote that in my notes, not only can he play press, but he plays cover zero, where he's on the island, he's making plays. I want to say he had four pick sixes during his career. Like, this dude is fantastic. But they said, Buck, the size and the tackling mm. could be issues. Mm. So his size thing is significant, like how much he weighs in at. We need him to come in a little thicker because their Witherspoon is 180, but 180 is a lot different than 165. No doubt. And the Cowboys are known for wanting to have some some weight, some, on them. some size. It hurt my feelings. Um, yeah. It hurt mine too. <laughs> it hurt me. It hurt me. My first round pick that I I could see there there being being there because of the quarterback stuff and all that stuff. Um, Avila. From TCU. Steve Avila. Steve Avila from okay. TCU. I think that the Cowboys could definitely benefit from his play, um, mm-hmm. the flexibility, especially at guard right now. We're looking at, I, I don't really know, we don't know if Mike mm-hmm. McGovern's going to come back this year. It's, yeah. It feels like. Because Connor McGovern's an me. undrafted free agent. <laughs> Tyron Smith, of course, is. Mm-hmm. Stephen Jones backed up Tyron Smith. He says he expects him to be back this upcoming year. Yeah. But. That's still a he's big been, question. He's mark always too. been he's always been hurt though. Yeah. Like eighteen games like, of the like, last like, three years. I mean, so you keep you keep counting on a guy who who's always hurt. At some point, you have to have like 
the replacement ready. And yeah. Kyle Smith did a really good job sure. like, when he had an opportunity. But what does that look like? Because the other thing we talk about, Dak Prescott, because we have to spend it forward. You want to get uh, return on the investment. you got to protect him up front. Yes. And when the Cowboys are in at their best, they've been able to run the ball when they want to run it. They've also been able to throw off play action. you got to have the fortress up front to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And to your point, interior pressure is something that – especially come off a thumb or stuff like that is something that that Dak Prescott is that's not one of his favorite things I want to say is the, the interior no, pressure especially with the escapability but with the first round pick Cowboys typically hit on the first round picks with offensive line especially they, offensive line they have mm-hmm. in their mind that if we if it's a first rounder this guy's probably going to work and that's why I believe that possibly Steve Avila could be a guy that they take. Well, it makes sense the way that you're thinking because the first thing that you have to do is you got to win the division. Mm-hmm. Well, we're coming off a year in which the Philadelphia Eagles has 70 sacks. No one could block them up front. And you saw firsthand what it looks like when you're unable to protect the quarterback against that team. So the only way you can do it, you have to be able to beat them in the, print, in the trenches. And yep. so maybe investing in an offensive guard, an offensive lineman up there, gives you the ability to go toe-to-toe with a team that now – Where's the crown in the NFC, and that would be the Eagles. There's don't another. Like there's that, another piece of content. Like oh, well, the they, 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 where's the crown? Man, like where's the crown? Oh, they're the NFC champs. That's that's the thing, though. Is is offensive line? I I think it's a bigger need than people really realize. Yes. And, and I think overall, your first, second, or third round pick, I I would really. I'm not going out on a limb here. There's going to be an offensive lineman in the first three rounds for the Cowboys because they need to, like you said, beat some of those teams that are just beefy up front, that they have that pass I rushing mean, ability. Washington's in there, too. They've got a great front line, man, too. Look at the team. So let's look at the team that, that where they bowed out, the San Francisco 49ers, yeah. and what they have up front. I mean, you talk about physicality to being able to win in the trenches. I think now, the more that I talk to you guys, like that might be the, that might be the move. Mm. The move might be to double up on the offensive line. Because you also said they've had a lot of success. Whoever is in charge of finding their offensive lineman, they've done a really good job (laughs) of doing it. So maybe you lean more into that. Because one thing that you cannot do in the first round, you can't have an egregious miss. No. And the Cowboys have proven that they are able to find linemen in the first round, so maybe you go back and do it. So this is a a general NFL question. Ari asked, if you're Chicago, and of course there have been some rumors that they could trade out of the, the first overall pick, would you do it before the draft, or would you do it the night of the draft or right up next to it in order to kind of have the most leverage all the way through? Give us you, Bucky. Um, so, <laughs> so there are a few different ways, if you're Chicago, the way you want to leverage this. Okay. So a lot of it would be determined. You have to wait until after the combine because you have to see if anyone's going to fall in love with the quarterback because mm. that would drive the interest in the number one pick. If you get teams that are interested in the number one overall pick, now you have to figure out, okay, what do we want to do? Do we want to let the Colts move up from four to one, retake their fourth, and then continue to trade down so we accumulate all of these picks um, to rebuild the team? Because for the Bears, one player is not going to bring them enough. right back. They have to bring. They have to have multiple blue-chip players to sure. close the gap on the competition. And so, look, you, you do it when the deal is right. Normally, the closer that you get to the draft, deadlines kind of bring about movement. Um, I expect if they're going to move the pick, they have to move it fairly early up. Yeah. I'm, just this maybe is a sidebar, but with the, what's going on with the Bears with um, with Justin Fields, he's already what two, three years in. Two years. Two years, two years in. Two years in. Yep. 
and they are really in a like you said, like one guy's not gonna do it, two mm-hmm. guys might end up three. You're gonna have to they're gonna have to attack free agency mm-hmm. heavily and draft well. With that being said, how do you handle him? Do you like do you keep him there in, in, while you're rebuilding? Because you don't want to, especially with how he plays the game, mm-hmm. especially with how mobile he is and his athleticism. Do you want to waste what his his good year, his young years with yeah. rebuilding? Like Rookie how would you attack years. that? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, out of curiosity. Look, I think I think he plays how he plays. And yeah, I love he, how he plays. The way he plays quarterback, you got to do that. I think uh, with Jalen Hurts going to the Super Bowl. I think it makes Justin Fields' style of play, it kind of makes it irrelevant because you've seen a team go to the Super Bowl with a player playing like that. So he can continue to do that. The thing about Justin Fields, you have to take Justin Fields versus this class. Mm -hmm. So if Justin Fields was in this class, how would he stack up compared to C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Mm -hmm. Will Levis, and those other guys? And unless you feel those other guys are better or significantly better, you stay the course with him. Mm -hmm. Yes, at some point, you want to? You would love to reset the rookie clock, but you don't give away a good player to then go kind of wandering uh, in in the wild trying to find another quarterback that may be as good as him. Tracking that, I was I more so just worry about. I mean, granted, like you said, like Jalen still was, if I'm understanding, was he still played injured, correct? So, and and, and Justin dealt with dealt with quite a few injuries this season as well, and I think that the mo- mobile quarterback is kind of what people are improvising mm-hmm. you know and that's fantastic i just with how much like you said even on the, especially on the offensive side of the ball they need offensive line they need receivers they how you can't change that quickly so do you just go through the change with him or i think you have to go through the change with him because what, you, what you're hoping is that he can he can continue to improve and get better uh yeah. the league is where it's hard for a quarterback to stay healthy you saw 70 different oh, quarterbacks so crazy play and so whether you play in the pocket outside the pocket whether you're a runner or just a thrower if you get hit, you're gonna get hurt at quarterback. Like that's 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 just kind of the reality of the situation. And so, what you would like to do is you like to hedge against your bet. So you want to make sure that you have a backup in place that can play, um, and then you want to continue to surround him. The thing about the Bears, they're so far away in a few different areas. Defensively, they traded away two of the top players, Robert Quinn and then Rokon Smith, in the middle of the year. So they have to really upgrade, and they have to upgrade it. With, I mean, they have a, no, a lot of cap space, but. The odds of spending the cap space in free agency, drafting and hitting all the players, is unlikely. But I think your best course of action is to continue along with Justin Fields as your quarterback. Thank you. It's interesting to, to think about because, I mean, we talked about the value of drafting a quarterback consistently, even in the Cowboys scenario where you have a Dak Prescott that you can rely on as a franchise quarterback. It does. It brings that value up when you bring out the number of 70 quarterbacks playing because it certainly is something to keep in mind. Tax, tax season can be more stressful than last-second Hail Mary. Um, with the game on the line, overcome your taxiety today with Liberty Tax, a proud partner of the Dallas Cowboys. Book an appointment at libertytax.com slash cowboys. You're reminding me, man. Yeah, I know. Honestly, every time I read it, I'm like, all right, got to get back to Liberty Tax. Lordy, Big Lordy. Liberty Tax guy. Uh, yeah, time. I mean, yeah, why not? Like, taxes. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, I'm so tired wanna, of being grown. I wouldn't want to do them by myself. Yeah, so yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> LibertyTax.com slash Cowboys. You got a little deal there, too. All right, when we come back here on the draft show, we're going to wrap things up with Bucky Brooks. We're going to get his final thoughts on what the 2023 class looks like. Maybe some other names to watch out for as we wrap up with more of the draft show right after this. I'm Dak Prescott, quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Blockchain.com is one of the most trusted ways to buy, sell, and trade crypto. 
Whether you're always on the go or stay closer to home, blockchain.com is just a few taps away. Put the power of crypto in your pocket so no matter where you are, you can trade on your terms and build a crypto portfolio to fit your life. For crypto pros, rookies, and anyone in between, blockchain.com makes it easy to own a piece of the future. Blockchain.com, trusted by millions, trusted by America's team. In a stressful world, Lincoln provides balance and calm amidst the chaos by creating sanctuaries that move you through the world with ease. Our vehicles make your time richer and more uplifting with human-centric design, intelligent technology, and powerful performance. As the official luxury vehicle of the Dallas Cowboys, driving a Lincoln is just another way to show your team pride. Experience our full lineup of luxury vehicles, including the Corsair, Aviator, Navigator, and Nautilus at Lincoln.com. What do you call a group of grown men and women with their faces painted silver and blue who get together every week to share a three-hour-long ritual of jumping, sinking, and toasting Miller Lite and 10-gallon hats while yelling, how about them cowboys? You call it Miller Time in Dallas. Here's to the cowboys. Here's to the original light beer. It's Miller Time. Celebrate responsibly. 2021 Miller Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. Star Sports Tours is the only official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, offering exclusive game weekend travel packages with pregame sideline access and photo ops with current players, cheerleaders, and cowboy legends. You want to stay at a team hotel, attend the best tailgate party in Texas, tour the star, and talk X's and O's with me, Everson Walls? With Star Sports Tours, you can. Visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. This is the DallasCowboys.com Draft Show. The most action-packed motorsports experience in the world returns to Arlington this Saturday. Head to AT&T Stadium on March 4th for Monster Jam. Tickets are now on sale at SeatGeek.com, the official ticketing provider of AT&T Stadium. Welcome back into the Draft Show, presented by Miller Lite, the only beer of the Dallas Cowboys. It's Miller time, and it's draft time. Here from the Combine in Indianapolis as we wrap up the final segment with Aisha Morrison, Bucky Brooks. I'm Kyle Yeomans. Bucky, before we get into this final segment, where can we find you? You're on the NFL Network quite often. Where are some of the, the next spots? What's on the horizon for you throughout draft season? Well, throughout the Combine, you get a chance to see me on NFL.com. We'll do a digital show called Combine Today. Wow. We'll preview all the action that's about to take place over the next four days. And then after that, NFL.com, we got Pats of the Draft coming up in April. Nice. So we have like a month-long run of shows talking about the draft and all the prospects and that stuff. And then you can always read all the articles on NFL.com as well. And he does some work with DallasCowboys.com as well throughout the season, throughout the draft process. We love ourselves some Bucky Brooks. So be sure to follow him on everything that he's doing. He's on Twitter as well. All right. Last couple seconds of the show, or last couple minutes, not seconds. I'm not going to make it stressful like that. <laughs> but when we get into the nitty-gritty of this draft class, both of you have watched a boatload of film, ton of film, around these draft prospects. Who's been your favorite film watch so far? I'll start with Bucky, because Aisha, we've, we've at least heard... Some of your pet cats, some of your favorites. Who's oh, been your the pet best? Cat. Who's yeah? Let's let's the do pet, that. The pet I should have just phrased it as cat. pet cats. Uh, the running back from Tulane. Oh, uh, Tajay Spears. Tajay Spears is one of my guys. He's one of my favorites. He's like, one I of think, mine too. I'm I think he's gonna you. be. I think he's gonna be uh, a handful. And you put him in and let him go, and you think about the success that Tony Pollard has been able to have in the National Football mm. League as that explosive back. 
I think he has all of that. He can catch the ball out the backfield. He's electric. Uh, he left a lasting impression with his big game against USC at the end. He's the one that's one of my faves. Mm. He's a fun one. I, I was at that USC, the Cotton Bowl. It was yeah. at AT&T Stadium. Boy, my goodness, it was next level. Phenomenal stuff. You go, Kyle. You want me to go? Please, you go. Oh, I know you man. hosting and stuff, but you go. Uh, I've always I've always been one that likes the, the Jordan Addison, the Jackson Smith, and Jigbas. It was funny. I, I was talking yesterday yeah. with somebody, and they, they said, where, where do you think the Cowboys, if, under the radar, what do you think their first-round pick would be? Mm. Not your prediction, mm. but what would be one to, to watch out for? You mentioned wide receivers earlier. You mentioned yeah. CeeDee Lamb and then drop off to mm. Michael Gallup at that number two spot. I think you go and get wide receiver talent at some point. They did yes. it last year. They waited on Jalen Tolbert. They felt really good about that. I haven't given up on Jalen Tolbert yet. They need a brand name, but they need somebody early. They need somebody early. Jordan Addison, USC, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Ohio State. You talk about technical route runners. Those have been fun. And I used to I used to really get on to David Hellman. On this trip specifically, I remember getting on to, Hel- to Hellman mm-hmm. when we were sitting at one of these tables on Radio Row. And I was like, dude, you can't always take a wide receiver. You can't always tell me the Cowboys are going to take a wide receiver. And here I am. Talking about a wide receiver, yeah. a couple wide receivers that I really like in the first round. It's, it's funny that you talk about those two guys because Jackman Smith, Enigma, people I think have for, forgotten about. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know he didn't play much at all this year, but the year before, he was unbelievable. Yeah, and he is an outstanding route runner. I think he's three forty-seven against the Rose or against, yeah, in the he, Rose Bowl, he's in the best in the draft in terms of just like running around, getting open, creating separation, being able to get busy. Uh, he can do it. I will say this. Zay Flowers has a very Ooh. soft spot in my heart in terms of just Boston being, College. being a big-time playmaker. He reminds <laughs> me a lot. He reminds me of A.B. Antonio Brown without the craziness. Like, I don't think he has all the crazy stuff. But when you watch him run routes and get get down and he catches the ball on the run, he he, he is a problem. <laughs> Sidney Brown from Illinois is going to be wow. a corner yeah, that is going to get yeah, on people's nerves. Mm-hmm. I, I love his versatility. We talked about how much experience matters. This is a five-year starter. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that understands the game. He can play from different spots, but I really feel like I call him Swiper. swiper. I feel like I call him Swiper because I feel like you can you can he's because of his size you can miss him. You can miss him, not see him. I think he's going to make a difference on a team when he comes in. He's just he's a smart player, but I love um, his eyes and how he plays the ball. Yeah. Do we get the brother? Do we get the brother for free? Do we, it's like buy one, mm. get one? No, you know we no, can't be doing that. We can't do That's we, what we, we tried get, with Trayvon a couple years no, ago. We're, we're, still, still, we're, we're like, still working we're still on it. On we're still trying to get that one, too. <laughs> well, yeah, he's, 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 he's an impressive player to me, and especially with the versatility to maybe play some outside as well if he gets the coaching to do it. That Being a sure nickel in this league has value, being mm. able to play in the box and stuff. Yeah, I love him. Well, I think that's the other thing. You talk about like one of the things that stands out this draft. All the safeties are nickel guys. Yeah, like, they, they are. There aren't pure safeties in this class. All those guys play the star position that mm-hmm. was popularized in Alabama. All those guys are basically nickel corners that can hit and blitz off the edges. And so it is hard to find a pure center field safety. But, yeah, the nickel position that you talk about, everyone is looking for those guys that have that versatility to go inside and work the yeah. slot. Would you – this is – I can't believe I'm asking this question still. Would you take a first-round running back at 26? Say B. John Robinson's there at 26. Would you make that pick? Yes. Okay. I'll run the card up. Okay. Jameer I'm Gibbs. still. Jameer I'm still yeah, what so, about Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama? Jameer Gibbs. So here, here's the thing that I think some people are missing about the first-round running back compared to the mid-level guys. Okay. How many mid-level guys have been 
the guy beyond three years. Mm-hmm. So what happens is you get a flash of the pan, a guy that can do it for one year, whatever. The difference is your first round back, your workhorse back, he's a dude who has always been the dude, who is comfortable being the dude, comfortable being the workhorse. Even when Ezekiel Elliott has kind of come back to the pack, there's still something about him as the lead guy. Mm-hmm. And remember, what, this seven or eight for Zeke? Gear? Yeah. Uh, years, we're going into year eight. Year eight. Yeah. So year those eight. first five years were pretty solid. So I think no doubt. what you're looking for, if I'm, if I'm going to get a back, I'm going to get a back. I don't want to keep having to recycle or whatever. Like, I'm not a guy that likes to go and buy used cars. I'm going to go get a car. Mm. I want a car. I want a nice new car. I want all the bells and whistles. I don't want to have to shrimp. Like, it's now changed. I don't want to be like, oh, I got Blu-ray in my car as opposed to the latest technology. <laughs> I want all the Bye stuff. Bye I, want, I want all the stuff. And so, yeah, B. John Robinson is there. To me, that would make so much sense because there's something about not only like the talent, but the size. Yeah. At some point, you got to have a big back. The big back wears down the defense. You still need a big back. It continues to split Cowboys Nation. I mean, and and when you talk about <laughs> Mike McCarthy and kind of what he looks for in running back, it's kind of weird because there were instances where he had power guys, but he also had a guy that could catch the ball out the backfield, be shifty, and things like that. So the balance to balance things out with a TP who yeah, franchise tag might mm. be important moving forward. So it's funny because I don't know if I can't remember if Skip shared this with me, if he shared this with everybody. He talked about the difference between Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, mm-hmm. and he talked about Ezekiel Elliott being that big old sedan. Yep. <laughs> big old heavy sedan. That, hey, you drive that car every day. Whereas TP's the one, he's like your little fast little Cadillac that you take out on Sunday, you drop <laughs> the top and do that. But if you ask him to do the heavy lifting, it's not really what he does. And I think I always want Tony Pollard to be at his best. So I don't want to change his role and give him more responsibilities and potentially take away from what makes him special. So I'm looking for the guy that can be the replacement to Zeke Elliott. Who can do the heavy, short yardage, four-minute stuff, whatever. It may not need to be a first-round back. Sure. But at some point, they need the banger to do that so TP can continue to do what he always does. So you heard it from Bucky Brooks himself. It's either Bijan Robinson or Tajay Spears. They're both going to have a Cowboys star on their helmet. It's going to be not? fantastic. Why not? Let's make it happen. Throw some wideouts, too. No hey, linemen. Yeah, no no, no, no linemen. Let's just go all skill guys. No. Yep. Nobody that wants to talk good. about the other guys. Idea. All yeah. skill guys. I'm waiting for the, the fist pump. I got the oh, fist barnacles. pump. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Both of you. Because, yeah, skill guys, I'm always all here. All skill guys. Same, all right. Same color. Bucky. Thanks so much for doing this. This has been a ton of fun. Uh, I'm sure we'll catch up with you down the line. Good luck the rest of the way, not only throughout the combine, but, of course, throughout the draft process as well. Cool. It was fun. Thanks for having me. All right. That does it for us here on the Draft Show. Stay tuned. DallasCowboys.com. We've got more content from Indianapolis coming your way very, very soon. For Aisha Morrison and Bucky Brooks, I'm Kyle Yeomans. That's the Draft Show presented by Miller Lite. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?